the Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, is with us. Very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. I was just running through some debt numbers before the news because somebody texted me the other day and said, how much do we pay to service our debt in this country at the moment? The government debt, this is the public debt. How much do you reckon it is just to service it, not to pay it off, just to service it? Oh, it's certainly gone up. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but there's no question as interest rates over going up. It's gone up. I haven't, but I don't memorise every number in the Crown accounts, but there's no question we're paying more to service the debt than we were before. It's $6 billion a year. And that is in the context of you know government um, that, that's you know paying around you know 130 billion dollars a year out. Um, so it is still a relatively small proportion of the government's overall yearly expenditure. But it's, there's no doubt it's gone up. Well, when you say as a proportion of its expenditure, it's as much as we spend on our entire defence force. Um, well, you, know, you can pick any number of things that you could. Oh, I am going to. It's a fraction of what we spend on. It's a fraction of what we spend on education, on health, on, on yeah, welfare. Yeah, the, the big, on the big ones. You're correct. So, housing, uh, education, health, and social development. Social development's a stunning number in itself, and says something about this country. I think at forty-three billion. But all the other things, police, for example. How much do we spend on police in this country? But, but of course, Mike, what you're, what you're sort of underestimating is what we get from the, the borrowing. So that borrowing is going into funding things like improvements to our infrastructure, improvements yes. to our roads, improvements to our schools, improvements to our police stations. You know, we're building new police stations um, and we have to fund those from somewhere. And given that these are intergenerational investments, uh, much of that funding will come from borrowing because Indeed. it gets paid off over the life of those assets. But as all of us would understand in our mortgages and our borrowings and our life dealings, there comes a point when servicing the debt becomes such a point that you go, maybe I've actually borrowed too much. For example, conservation, we only spend $900 million a year, which under normal circumstances seems a tremendous amount of money, yet it's we spend six times more just servicing our debt. Again, Mike, I think if you look at what we're, what we're getting for that, we, of course we need to be careful about making sure that we're not borrowing too much. Our debt levels as a country are amongst the lowest in the OECD. New Zealand's government is not a big borrower when you compare us even to our friends across the, the Tasman that's, and Australia. Yeah, but Chris, that's only US because you started in a, an extremely luxurious financial position as handed to you by the national previous national government because your borrowings have gone from in between 2019 and 2023 to $194 billion. And, and some of that is actually remediating the infrastructure that was run down in a time when we weren't spending on those things. So we're spending record levels of money on road maintenance and on upgrading our roads and upgrading our rail and building new state houses, mm. building more state houses than any government since the 1950s. That money comes from somewhere. And some of that borrowing, yes, was also to support New Zealand through the COVID-19 response period. And I'd note that the parties that are now criticising the level of debt that we've got were arguing that we should be spending more during that time. It's just, it's just, it's an interesting thing that one of the hot topics of this election is of course crime and violence and if you combine what we spend on corrections i.e. jails and the police add those two numbers together we still spend more servicing our debt just seems a weird old thing um, look debt is a, is, a, is a feature of the way governments fund um, projects that are going to have a lifetime benefit to the country. We spread that over the lifetime of the asset um, that we're investing in. New Zealand's, our government is no different to previous governments. Probably the difference here is that we're doing more of it. So we're investing more in upgrading our police stations. We're spending more in upgrading our housing and mm. our schools and our hospitals than previous governments. Yeah, you're, certainly, you're certainly increasing the debt more than other governments. What's going on in immigration? The headline was the system is effed. Is it effed? 
I certainly think that there are questions that we need to get to the bottom of about the accredited employer work visa and whether all of the appropriate checks have been done there. Um, the Minister of Immigration, Andrew Little, has commissioned an independent review of that to make sure that they are uh, fulfilling the obligations that they have um, to make sure that these processes are dealt with robustly. Why would he need a review if he was doing the job properly? Um, look, and ultimately, ministers don't make the decisions about who gets an accredited employer work visa or who gets a visa. There are official they set the rules, to though. Do that. Now, if, 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 absolutely, and if those rules aren't being followed, then a minister does have a responsibility to get to the bottom of that. Why would, why would they not be following the rules? Well, uh, you know, ultimately that's why we've asked for a review is because there's evidence to suggest that perhaps they haven't been following the rules. Employers are being allowed to bring in migrants without any paperwork or financial checks, even when immigration officers fear jobs may be fake, paid for with illegal premiums and the migrants will be exploited. Instead, they have been told to focus on faster processing times. Who would have told them to focus on faster processing times? Well, I think everybody has been saying that we want to make sure the immigration system is processing visas as quickly as possible since the beginning of the year. In fact, I'm on public record as yeah. saying that, as are the opposition. So is it possible you placed enough political pressure on them to break the rules and it's actually your fault? No, they still need to follow the rules. So they, they need to be making sure that they're processing things faster, that their system is efficient, but there's still rules in place. They shouldn't be shortcutting the rules. Immigration officers say they've been told to ignore criminal convictions and investigations, not to read supporting documents on visa applications and not to check work visas at the border in a light-touch drive to grant more visas faster. And that is very concerning. And um, But I you're in charge of the light-touch drive, though, aren't you? Well, that is why an independent review of, of why this has happened um, and exactly, you know, the true extent of what has happened. That's really important because, yes, we do want to see um, visas processed quickly, but also we've got rules in place for a reason. Did you anticipate that some of the rules, if you placed enough pressure on the department, might be broken? Um, certainly, I think the basics of, you know, making sure people, uh, you know, have their criminal checks done and so on. I don't think anyone ever envisaged that that shouldn't be happening. Okay. Uh, Can you explain this? I'm going to play you a piece from Carmel in the House last week, and uh, she finds it complicated. I'm hoping you don't. Because it is complex. Despite the strength of the labour market, we do have 52,404 more New Zealanders receiving job seeker support than in September 2017. 34,872 for more than a year. Uh, How come? Well, the labour market has grown during that time, so there are record numbers of people in employment, and uh, there are also more people looking for employment. Unemployment is still at record lows. Um, well, it's not. You know, no, no, you've got, you got to stop making current, stuff up. It's not at record lows anymore. Well, it's, it's certainly... Over, over the time that we've been in government, unemployment... Oh, yeah, so in, in the last time, several so years, there has point. been a point when it got to a record low. It's not a record low anymore. It's gone up since then. Oh, by a minute, by a fraction. It is still very, very low by historic uh, standards, Mike. That's true. So given all of that, given the tight economy, given that there are jobs for Africa, how is it we have 52,404 more people on the unemployment benefit than we did when you came to office? We are also transferring record numbers of people off benefit and into employment. I'm not asking that. I'm asking how come you've got 52,404 more people on the unemployment benefit today than you did when you came to office? Because that number of people qualify for the unemployment benefit. Yeah, no, that's a technique. Are you finding it too complicated to explain? Is Carmel right? It is too complicated to explain. No one can explain why there are more unemployed people in this country.
Well, no, you've asked me. You've asked me why are there more people on the benefit because more people qualify for it. But the reality is, we're, we're transferring record numbers of people um, off the benefit and into employment. How can you transfer people record numbers off when the number on is going up? Because if you transferred record numbers of people off, the number of people on it would drop. Because there are more people basically qualifying for a benefit now. And why are they qualifying? More people are. Well, in some cases, more people will be applying for it who, who previously haven't. Ultimately, the, the goal has to be to get them got a job. the benefit as quickly as we can and into employment. There are plenty of jobs out there, though, aren't there? Well, the more people enter into the labour market, so people who previously weren't in the labour market have entered into the labour market. And that means that the number of people in jobs continues to grow. Okay. So you, I'm not sure we've explained it, but there are more, you'd concede, there are many more people, thousands more people, tens of thousands more people unemployed under your watch than when you arrived, correct? Well, if you're, if you're suggesting that we should simply stop paying people the benefit... I'm not, I'm not suggesting um, you should stop paying them. I just, I'm fascinated in an economy that's doing so well that you keep talking about so much bigger and better. Why are there so many people unemployed? Well, there are jobs out there galore. There's jobs to be had, and there are more unemployed people. The, you can't join the dots, hence Carmel finds it complicated, and I think you are too. We haven't, we haven't changed the eligibility criteria for benefits. They're the same as they have always been. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you have. What I'm saying is there are tens of thousands... What I'm saying is there are tens of thousands more people on the unemployment benefit. All I'm asking is why, when there are so many tens of thousands of jobs available to be done. Well, in many cases, the people who are on those benefits won't, won't have the skills that are required to do the jobs that are on offer. That's one of the reasons why the investments that we're making in upskilling the people who have previously been on benefits through things like the training incentive allowance are actually really important. And the fact that we're doing that is one of the reasons why we are actually turning people, you know, turning people over. We're getting people off the benefits and into employment. But, but yes, the, you, you understand the basic equation, though. For every person that you get off a benefit, if there are more people still on it, you're going backwards. And that's what the numbers indicate. We, we've seen, um, I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but we have seen that we're making progress. You, you can't be making progress if you're going backwards, Chris. It's just, it's basic maths. Well, we saw a spike in the number of people on benefits during the COVID-19 period. We're making progress since then. There's still a lot more work to be done. Just quickly, the comment you made yesterday on the vaccine and the mandate, do you regret that? Sorry, what, which comments are you talking about? Sorry, sorry, my apologies. On Sunday, you made the comment about the uh, the vaccine mandate. Ultimately, it was not mandated. Vaccines were not mandated. Do you stand by that? There was no compulsory vaccination. That is not the word that I used. I said nobody was forced to be vaccinated. There was no compulsory vaccination. True. People made their own choices, quote unquote. That is correct, Mike. There were some people needed to be vaccinated to do some jobs, but no one was made to be vaccinated. So you no would stand. You would stand. Oh, it's all I'm asking for the record. Will. You would stand by. So the person, for example, who made the choice not to get vaccinated, lost their business and laid people off. That's on them, not you. Well, they made a choice. Appreciate your time very much, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins. For more from the Mike Hosking Breakfast, listen live to News Talk ZB from six a.m. weekdays, or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.